Hello everyone and thank you for listening to the All Things Family Law podcast hosted by our team here at the Family Law Company. We hope you are well and that you are enjoying listening to us. The Family Law Company is one of the South West leading specialists in family law with clients all over the country and in the UK. We look forward to welcoming you on our podcast journey. This series will be discussing the various routes into a career in law and will spend time chatting to our lawyers about how they qualified. We hope you will find their stories inspiring and interesting. I'm Rachel Buckley, one of the directors and shareholders at the Family Law Company. This week our guests are fellow director and shareholder Donna Hart and our special guest Amy Lankford who is an associate with our company. Amy has been with the company for about three years and is a valued member of our team. She is going to talk to us about her journey into law and her approach. So thank you Amy for joining us. Most people think when qualifying as a lawyer that you go to university, um, obtain a law degree, uh, then get a postgraduate and then obtain a training contract. Indeed, a lot of our lawyers have done this, but your journey was slightly different. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. There are, there are many routes to get into law and I chose the one where I worked and studied at the same time. So when you say you worked, what was your position? So I started off in a law firm as an office junior. I'm doing a lot of admin work and then I progressed to being a secretary and then when I was a secretary I decided I wanted to become a lawyer. I had a passion for the law. Is that because you were working closely with the lawyers and thought I'd like to do this? Yes, so I worked with them and realised that it's something I just really want to do, wanted to get more involved in. I was a secretary in family law and I thought I love family, it's what I want to do. So then I decided that I wanted to study and they offered the legal executive course at my firm. So I decided that I wanted to do that part-time and continue with my job as a secretary. So did you study through correspondence or did you go off to college? So I went to college once a week in the evenings up in Bristol because I found that for me I needed the face-to-face interaction. And that was after you'd done a full day's work? After a full day's work, yeah. And then I would work part-time as well, just to top up my wages. On top of your working full-time as a yeah. secretary? Yeah. What, so, what job did you do? So I was a cleaner. Oh, right. Okay. So I'd clean every evening at the council offices, and then I would study once wow. a week. That's a big commitment, yeah. isn't it? And somebody else who's qualified, like me, through the Silex route, there are a lot of people who probably wrongly think that Silex is perhaps the easy route into law. What would you say to people who, who feel that way? I completely disagree. I'd say that the ILEX route is probably one of the hardest routes to do because you are working, you're studying, you need an income as well, in addition to probably the low income that you're getting paid because you're working your way up through that law firm. So I'd say it's a lot harder to try and juggle all of those commitments and have a social life as well. And what would you say the benefits of that of doing that ILEX route? So for me, I found it invaluable I certainly wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't do the Silex route. It made me realise exactly what's involved in being a lawyer, so I knew it's what I wanted to do. I knew the time and the commitment that it would take for me to do the job. I was able to engage with people at a secretarial level, so I knew exactly what was expected of me, so it gave me the client care skills, and it also just gave me the skills to be able to manage juggling work commitments 
and the stresses of actually being a lawyer on a day-to-day basis. Well, I think as as um, as an employer, I've um, I mean I, I did the traditional um, law degree route, but as an employer, people that have done the silex route come to us with greater practical skills. Um, than perhaps something that's come out fresh from university. Yeah, I completely agree. So practically, it gave me those skills which I could then build upon and I went on and studied law, so I got the law um, side of things and then I went on and decided that I did want to be a solicitor. That was through my own choice. what, What sort of brought you to that decision to convert? So throughout my studies, I qualified as a legal executive, which you know I loved and I really enjoyed doing that route. But I had a lot of hurdles um, from previous um, employers okay. yep. in terms of moving forward and progressing in that firm. Okay. Yeah. So I think sometimes if you if you go into a firm as an office junior and, and, and work your way up, you can be a really good lawyer, but they'll still see you in that more junior role. Yes. So it can be it can be much more difficult to progress, and sometimes it's good to have a fresh start, isn't it? Away yeah. from that, you know. And I I suppose the other thing is that if you're somebody who's um, worked your way up, you're you've normally got another skill set, so people always still come to you for those other skills. Yes. So if you can type or if you can do something, people will still come to you and delegate those types of work to you? Yeah, so I found that I was still doing more junior work, such as a paralegal role, even though I was a legal executive. So I was seen at that level when mm. I was quite capable of doing a lot more and I was just as qualified as, as a solicitor. Yeah. But actually I had a lot more experience than some of the newly qualified solicitors who just were fresh out of law school. Absolutely. So for me it's something I wanted to do um, to progress my own career but, but also to show to them you know, that I was capable of doing more. What advice do you think you would give to somebody who was deciding whether they were going to do the traditional law degree solicitor route or to, to look at Silex? I think if you need to consider what you want at, at your, your end goal, um, whether you want to be able to come out to an employer and say, look at all the experience I've got, look at the practical side of things, or you want to be more of the academic and, and do that route, but the difficulty I think, my personal view with the academic route is you're not getting that experience and employers want that experience yeah. coupled with the with the academic qualification. And don't you find when you're working as a paralegal, if there is a really difficult client or there's a difficult case, quite often you're the one sent to go and see that client or, you know, um, you're, you're expected to really go and deal with those more difficult cases because... Um, other lawyers uh, are out a lot and um, are dealing with more um, I'm saying the wrong thing here can you edit this what am I trying to say they've got more empathy with clients because they've got more life experience yeah all right so where did I get to other lawyers are doing other things yeah other lawyers are out you said okay yeah so other lawyers are out of the office a lot um, and then you spend a lot of time with the clients and normally clients who are in distress so you build up a lot of skills in terms of listening to clients who are going through difficulties and then perhaps later on in your career you're not as phased when you go to court and somebody's really angry or upset. Yeah definitely I think coming out of law school fresh when I've worked with lawyers who have compared to lawyers that have done the legal executive route 
they're completely different in how they can cope with the clients, how they can cope with stress and under pressure, because they've been managing that for a lot longer years than someone who's, who's fresh out of law school. And that, in, in respect of that, Rue, you're juggling lots of things. You're, you're working as a secretary, you're doing the cleaning job, you're doing your study, and you're, you're juggling lots of things. So then when you qualified and you had a full caseload, your time management skills must have been yeah. um, very well honed. Yes, exactly. And I think doing law, I think a lot of it is about having the client care, time management skills, and dealing, being able to deal with that makes you a good lawyer. And how how did you sort of look after your own well being through through that process, through that study process? You know, having all those different hats on. So I had to make sure that I made time for myself. Mm-hmm. I would regularly go to the gym. I yeah. would go on my lunch break. And that really helped because I had a gym which was just across the road from my offices. So that was good for me. And I think just making sure that you've got the support of your family and friends about what you're doing. Because you do have to say, no, I can't do that this evening. I do need to study and I do need time to relax for myself. So that's hard. So provided you've got the family and the friends that will support you and understand you. For me, that was one of the best things because everyone knew that I wasn't just being miserable that day and not socialising. <laughs> yeah. They knew that I was doing it. And we've, we've got a mentoring scheme here at the Family Law Company and you're very much involved in that scheme, aren't yes. you? Yes. Um, and have you been helping um, some of your mentees with, with you know picking up these sorts of skills? Yes, I've been helping um, a couple of um, my colleagues, including one that's training to hopefully be a lawyer and being able to manage her time in the office and studying and that's been really beneficial for her and being able to focus on time for herself as well so I've been able to say to them you know I have been where you are I'm not just sat up here saying you should do this you should do that I know what it's like to be at the bottom and it must be inspiring for them to see that you've gone through that process and that you are where you are now yes and they few of the the people that I work with have said you know it's given them hope that that they can actually do it knowing that they've seen me come yeah because when you're in the midst of that studying you feel like you're never going to get to the end goal yeah and there's quite a few times where you think is this worth it like you say when you're having to say no to lots of things yeah because you're so busy you know and after a full day's work most people go home and relax when you've got to go home and get the law books out by the time the weekend comes around quite often you don't want to go out and socialise because you're just so tired but all all of that does help build your resilience and in in an area such as family law you know it it, it can be really really stressful dealing with people's emotions yeah and I think sometimes qualifying through silex enables you to build that resilience so it makes it a little bit easier when you are working yeah I think I think it does because you're already used to having to deal with that I'm not it's it's definitely not easy and the amount of times that I left and cried and said I'm never going to become a lawyer and this is (laughs) too much Um, but it was so worth it in the end and you do get there you've just got to keep working at it keep going did you always want to be a lawyer no when I started like when I left school I wanted to do travel and tourism and I qualified as an air hostess and did a travel and tourism a level and then it wasn't until I went into a law firm because I generally thought to myself I can never be a lawyer I'm just I don't have the brains because I left school with hardly any GCSEs. So what what made you think that? Did people tell you that? Was that your own perception of yourself? Was it teachers? 
Yeah, I think coming out school with quite poor grades mm-hmm. and thinking law is, you know, way above me. I'll never be able to get a law degree. And, and people then, think it is for the elite, don't they? Or yeah, really, they do. really intelligent students. And, yeah. And that's, you know, I always say actually about most things, if you've got a passion for it, you can, anyone can learn something they're interested in. Yes. It's not about the size no. of your IQ. No. And it wasn't until I went into the law firm and I thought, this is what I want to do and I can do this. So you sort of fought your self-limiting belief that you had when you came out of school. So you yes. had to have a word with yourself that <laughs> yeah. I can do this. Yeah. And, and when, did that come from within you or did other people say to you, you can do this? I think within my firm there were people doing the ILEX and they obviously said to me about about doing it and this is the course and this is the route. So there was a lot of people around me but also from me I thought I really want to do this yeah yeah I, en- I enjoyed it so you you got that self-belief from somewhere yeah. yeah so what did your family say when you said you wanted to be a lawyer were they surprised they were really surprised my mum wanted me to be a hairdresser which nothing wrong with a hairdresser at all can you could you actually do that no <laughs> but it's not me I'm not creative in any way and I said to her I'm gonna be a lawyer and I used to do it in stages, so I'd said to her, I'm just going to do my first stage and then second stage. And she had said to me before, Amy, it's not worth it. You're so stressed, it's not worth it. But that was just her, I think, trying to be a protective mum. Yeah. Yeah. And saying, it's okay, you know, you don't have to go all the way on. But it's quite a good way, isn't it, sorry, of of looking at it like that, just doing a bit by bit each stage. So not thinking, I've got to get right to the end goal which yeah. is qualifying and, you know, maybe going out at some point and getting a law degree, it was, I'm going to do this part of the course and then you pass it and then you move on to the next that's bit. Exactly I think that's I did, quite a yeah. good way of looking at a career as a whole as well, yeah. isn't it? Because, you know, you can break down a career in law into different chunks of, you know, it's qualifi- qualification associate, senior associate, partner or, or director. And it's, it's about setting those goals and working towards each one. Yeah. And that's what I did, because if I thought about the bigger picture and the end goal, I don't think I would have made it, because I just would have been overwhelmed. And it's about enjoying each of those achievements, isn't it? Rather than just tick that one off the list, because it's getting moving on to the next one. It's about recognising what you've done, um, and how well you've done it at each stage, and rewarding yourself. I just want to pick back up on on something you said earlier, about um, you trained to be an air hostess. Um, So how far did you get with that training? So I did a two-year course which included resort repping and A-level geography and being able to work in a travel agency and obviously the the air hostess was was part of that course. So I did all my training and I was qualified but I never actually flew. Right. Did you do the training in the simulators and things? Yeah, we did the training in within our college we had an aeroplane. And I have got to ask, did you go down the slide? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that means you can open the door as well then. Yeah. Yeah. We did all of that and we went up to Birmingham and trained in a in a simulator Excellent. and did it that way. Which it was fun, but I just thought actually this isn't for me. Yeah. It's not really what I want to but do. But do you think you learnt skill valuable skills other than going down the slide? <laughs> yeah. um, that you've brought to to this career? Yes, definitely. I think everything that I've done, you've got skills with, with people skills. Being able to, I had to um, do a speak 
you know, do lots of speeches as part of like the resort yeah. repping. So for me to stand in court, that helped that I yeah. could stand up and do a and bit of public suppose, speaking. Mm-hmm. Also, being calm under pressure when there's a crisis going on. Yeah. Um, I expect you learnt some skills to cope with that. Yeah, we had to learn how to deal with first aid, how to deal with panic situations, and keeping all the um, passengers calm and ensuring that they were safe. Yeah. So that's and that's transferable skills now for our for our clients, isn't yes. it? Who are going through a crisis, who might be panicking, who might be feeling like, you know, they're floundering, um, and you're there as a calm, measured voice of, of, of reason. Yeah. So did you always know that family law was for you when you knew that when you decided you wanted to become a lawyer? Did you know straight away family law was Yeah, so I started off in a multidisciplinary firm which did lots of areas of law and obviously I had exposure in those areas as a secretary and just as an office junior and straight away I knew I wanted to go into the family team. They were the more fun team and mm. I just like the people because mm. I think the people that work in family are probably Personal quite and, yeah, yeah. Are, are a different sort of characters. Yeah. yeah, empathetic, sympathetic. Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to do the work in the family team. And is there anything now that you think could change about the family law system, the legal system at all? Yes, I think in terms of court delays Mm. and times of when we can get documents filed and when we've got court dates, if that could be more streamlined then that would be helpful to to our clients. Mm. And I think if we had less delays and had a system of a no-fault divorce Mm -hmm. that is going to speed up things and that would help the timetable because at the minute it's it can get quite protracted with clients and we've been involved in quite a lot of the campaigning for no fault divorce and it it does look like that's coming but at the moment there's there's delays with everything that's going on in parliament so hopefully we will see that come through um and hopefully that will help reduce acrimony right at the beginning of a divorce and do you you think you think that will help yes definitely yeah Yeah, because one of the biggest fears that you read about is people seem to think that the divorce rate's gonna you know almost double because all of a sudden you have a no fault based divorce but i think whether you would agree but speaking from experience um the facts of the divorce are something that never um prompts the client to come in or prevents the client from starting a divorce they come in to see you because they're unhappy and they want to end their marriage and it isn't until you actually sit down and tell them they have to write something that that they actually think about it and it starts things off straight away you have to start going into a blame game whereas actually when people want to be what people want to be able to do is resolve um, their issues and, and, and move forward mm. and hopefully when this does come in that will help I think what you said about the, the delays I mean that can be detrimental can't it particularly in children cases so if somebody isn't having contact with their child um, um, and having to wait weeks for a court date but I think like all public services they're just under huge pressures aren't they yeah pressures and, and resources and going back to your point about the divorce when people come in and I have to tell them that they do need to think of a reason sometimes that can put them off because they don't want to start saying bad things about the father of their child and they don't want it to cause friction so actually it might it's going to be a lot easier there is no blame mm. especially if you've got children involved because at the end of the day they're always going to have their parents in their lives and mm. you want to keep it amicable so you think it might increase the divorce rate 
you think people may instruct more to move forward with a divorce if there is a no fault? No, I think some people turn around and say that they don't want to have to say he's done this and he's done that. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to change people coming through the door. Yeah. I just think it's going to make people actually, you know, do something about it. And it will reduce it will reduce, reduce, reduce only yeah. it because people yeah. have, particularly people that got children they're still going to have parents evenings graduations mm-hmm. weddings to yeah. go to and if if things can have been dealt with reasonably with dignity without having to levy allegations against yeah. each other then that will um, ensure that um, things are much smoother going forward. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would change just in the world in general? If I could change anything in the world, I think I would, if I could have a wish, I would eliminate cancer yeah. and poverty yeah. altogether. So that would be my major changes. Yeah, and I suppose... Because in your other hat, you're a trustee at Citizens Advice in Exeter. Yes. Um, and a lot of the clients that they see coming through their offices are clients who are suffering as a result of poverty. Yeah. Um, so for me, being a trustee is something that I'm really passionate about and I enjoy working for the charity. And so there's a lot of issues within locally within Exeter that I can I can help with. And seeing how that runs and how that works and some of the difficulties that the clients locally are facing that sometimes I don't see from being a lawyer and working in family law really changes your perspective as as to what's going on out there that a lot of people don't realise is happening. What what benefits do you think there's been for you um, being a, a trustee? So already I've gained experience in in how other organisations work and how they run but also what's going on on the ground in Exeter, in the city that I live. Mm, yeah. That, as I said, I, I didn't really know what, what was happening. It's important to have that connection with your local yeah. community as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really important. Yeah. And I think you develop a lot of skills sitting on a board, having to listen to other people's views, sometimes make really difficult decisions, um, but but listening to others. Um, I think when I was a trustee, I certainly certainly learned that. And like you, I probably was quite naive about some of the issues that were that were going on right in our community just because you're almost not exposed to it yeah. um, but again I think like you through the through the um, citizens advice you, you see that uh, the, the, the effects really that the cutbacks are having on, on local people yeah. um, and I know ex, um, extra food bank do a lot of work with citizens advice um, and I know here at family law company we um, often bring in um, food collections every month um, but do you think that's sort of done anything, changed your opinion in, in how you deal with um, clients here? We're looking at clients who maybe don't qualify for legal aid but don't have the funds to... Yeah, I think I've always been a bit more sympathetic to the legal aid and, and, and those clients because I've been a legal aid lawyer for, for a number of years. So I can see sometimes that they need help and they don't financially qualify and it's it's a struggle for them and they need access to to the courts mm. and how and how important do you think it is that everybody has that access to justice i think it's really important but i think it's about being able to resource it and making sure that actually it's not just the pot for legal aid it's thinking about the courts as well and how much time actually people with no access to legal aid may take up the court's time and where if they have lawyers involved it may ease the process for them there could be more hearings 
that the courts have to list because maybe a litigants in person not sure what they're doing, not really understanding. The hearings go on longer than... The hearings go on longer. So whilst there are different pots and resources, I think looking at the bigger picture as to what's happening will... There are all sorts of reforms um, being looked at in the court system, one of which um, my personal favourite is about um, perhaps judges going around in vans and doing hearings in the back of vans in in local villages, which is quite interesting. Well, yeah, Um, because there's lots of places where there isn't a court for miles and miles around. Absolutely. And it sort of takes me back to the old library van that used to come around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. But I think as well with... um, litigants in person I think family is so emotive and I think one of the huge benefits of having a lawyer is having somebody who isn't emotionally involved in in your family problem yeah because I think if you're going into court to represent yourself quite often you you might not be doing yourself justice because you're just simply you're dealing with it from an emotional emotional point of view aren't you yeah that's right you can't you can't think of emotions you need to think um, very differently and that's why lawyers are so good because they can they can separate themselves from that emotional and they could be time. objective and give you know that sort of ob- objectivity that when you're in that position of self sometimes you can't see what a reasonable solution might be yeah completely I agree with that so just turn into your work environment how important is your work environment to you in terms of your office in your space you know, do you um, do you like to have personal things around you? Do you like do you have clutter, or do you have like quite a minimal approach in your office? I'm quite minimal in my office, but I've worked in open plan, so having an office here has completely changed my produ- productivity. Yeah, I definitely do a lot more work having my own space that I can shut the door if I need to. But yeah, I'm quite minimal in the office. I'll keep my files maybe a few gifts at the minute I've got a little alpaca set on my desk <laughs> and the fur not a real one I'm presuming no I wish <laughs> and and where the, did you get that one from? I got that from one of my colleagues who's oh. come back from her travels and apparently the fur is is really good for your well-being you know if you were stroking a pet yeah. oh yeah so I stroke that now it's sort of like my stress ball oh yeah yeah to um if I ever feel a bit stressed I just stroke my little alpaca <laughs> Oh, I love. That's probably the only thing that's personal. Yeah, so you like a clear, clear yeah, desk. I like clear, clear. clear desk, tidy mind. I think it's because I don't want to mix too much personal with my work. Yeah. You know, my bedroom and my house at home is what my personal items and then works, works, and that's how I separate it. Yeah. So what do you do outside of work to unwind? So I go to the gym and I... And you like travelling as well, don't you? You love travelling. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So I've been to Australia and Southeast Asia and New Zealand. So I've travelled all over and Europe. And I took a year out when I qualified as a solicitor and spent eight months yeah. travelling around. So you rewarded yourself, as we were saying earlier, about rewarding yourselves, you know, ourselves on each sort of individual achievement. So you, you, you definitely... Yeah, and that's, that's what that. I did. I studied for about... 10 years to qualify and then I said I'm taking some time out for me now Um, and that's what I did and And what what's sort of looking to the future now what are your sort of goals now going going forward I love working at the family law company and I love the people that I work with 
and I'm not just saying it because the directors are here with me now. <laughs> um, that's the that's the honest truth. And I would really love to one day become a director. But I am one of those that will just take it in stages and do it step by step. But that's always worked for me. So my next goal is to become senior associate and then go from there. Yeah, I think think that's really good advice to give to young people is to do things in stages, reward yourself every time you you achieve something. Um, Because, you know, we're... We're not very good at these days of living in the present, are we? You know, we we come to it, we we achieve something, and then we move on straight to the next thing, and we need to, all need to be a bit more present. Yeah, and I think it's important to know that it's it's not a race to get anywhere. It took me a long time to get where I am, but you're always gaining experience, especially if you're working. And I think that's really good advice. I think young people now, because you're exposed so much to social media everything's made to look easier than it actually is and so I think people can expect things to happen really quickly and they can be you know really disappointed if they're not a partner by 30 or you know if they haven't qualified by this date and actually it's not about that is it it's just about doing what you can at the right time yeah. um, and, and trying to reach your goals yeah I think just just setting goals that are realistic and allow you to be able to have you know a life outside of work and education because mm. there is more to life that, than that it's important for your own well-being just setting your goals achieving those goals and moving on because one day you it will come together and you will be rewarded and it'll be the right time for you because if you rush things for your own work ethic and your own mind it, it might be too much too much too soon and yeah it can cause you know a lot of problems yeah for sure lovely well thank you amy for joining us and sharing your journey um and thank you everybody for listening thank you